0: This is Let's Get Real with your Realtor hosts, Mallory Myers and Rob Calabro, talking real life and real estate.
1: From the Buckeye State (laughs) to the Sunshine State, this is Let's Get Real. Welcome in, Mal. How are you today?
0: I'm good, Rob. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing awesome. Uh, It is a beautiful, pretty sunny day here in Central Ohio, and uh, we are... Kind of right in the midst of the holiday season, so for me this is an exciting time of year. Uh, I just love Christmas and all the fun stuff, and you know we got Luca, the little guy. He, this is his first Christmas, so um, a lot of exciting stuff. What about yeah. you? Yeah, yeah,
0: that is super exciting. Baby's first <laughs> Christmas. Oh my gosh, um, it's. It's hot here. We had a <laughs> we had a cold snap a couple of weeks ago, and it was so wonderful. I was able to turn my AC off, open windows, wear better clothing, and
1: nice. um,
0: now all of a sudden, you know, you're kind of still in that mentality to layer up, and you know, you don't have to have your air on. And then it's just like 88 degrees, sunny, hot again, and so it doesn't feel like Christmas here. It's hard mm. to. Get in that spirit. Um, fortunately, there you know at night it's awesome because there are a lot of homes that decorate and it's mm-hmm. Christmas lights everywhere and it's really cool. But it's it's tough to feel like it's Christmas when it's 88 degrees and you think you should be at the beach.
1: Um, I have, there's a beer commercial. I think it's, uh, uh, it might be either Dos Equis or, uh, Corona, but one of them has the the Christmas commercial with the Christmas lights on the palm tree. Yes. That's kind of what I think of what yeah. you guys experienced down there.
0: We well, do. How long
1: ago did you move down to Florida?
0: It'll be 11 years in March.
1: Okay. Did you notice like the, did you feel a difference between celebrating the holidays in Florida versus like in Ohio where you're from?
0: Oh yes. Yeah. Because it's in Ohio or anywhere where you get seasons, right? Like you feel the difference coming. You feel when you associate cold weather, you associate to Christmas, you associate it to winter. Mm -hmm. And we don't get that rev up to where, okay, it's coming, it's coming. It's just all of a sudden Christmas and it's, you know when the year already goes by fast it goes by even faster when you don't get the seasons you know warming you up or cooling you down to get ready for it so it definitely is a it's more of a mind game to make to really get in the spirit
1: you got to put in the extra effort to make sure that you're really feeling the holiday right
0: right exactly exactly
1: So um, what about the real estate market when it comes to the holidays? Are you, what's the transition like for you guys down there?
0: So it's a great question and a great topic um, that it, again, you get in that mindset that the holidays are coming, that maybe, you know, we'll take a break or we'll, you know, wait till the new year, but that's actually a really busy month statistically around here. Mm-hmm. Um, it No rhyme or reason. A lot of buyers think that nobody's you know, going to really make any moves at that time. Sellers kind of think they'll both wait until after the holidays. Um, but it's actually very busy, um, very busy season. And I think that if you are a serious buyer or a serious seller, don't sit back and wait. I think it weeds out the just looking and the investors and all those people that are kind of not serious about moving or making moves in that time um, because it's the holidays and they're just going to wait till the new year right which means the competition against buyers might decrease and the homes hitting the market are going to decrease which still Mm kind of hits that supply and demand but I think that competitively it's not as intense because it, it weeds away the people who are just going to shoot their shot or just looking and right. And so all that. they're
1: only serious buyers in the marketplace.
0: Yeah. How um, is it up there?
1: You know what uh, it's, there's some similarities. I'd be curious to see how, what you say, you know, to how it compares up here. So in, obviously in 2020 th- everything was different COVID, you know skewed everything and most of the transactions or a large portion of transactions occurred in the fall in winter up here in Columbus last year but not st- not typical the, tri- the typical trajectory is that we peak in the spring it kind of flattens in the summer and then it dips a little bit into the fall you know I don't know if that's different in Florida because in in especially in central Ohio we've got the Buckeyes we've got you know huge you know football, but also like school, school, uh, people go, or kids go back to school in the late fall. So there's just, there's always a little dip in that August, September timeframe. Then we see it climb back up a little bit over, you know, the next couple of months sort of tapers off in between, um, Thanksgiving and Christmas. And then it generally bounces right back in January. So, you know, starting in January, leading all the way up through March, you know, we see more and more listings come on the market and the, the peak tends to happen in March, April, May, and then, um, you know, back around from what I just mentioned. So do you guys see that um, fall dip in Florida or not so
0: much? So we we really don't because Florida is a, a retirement state it's a you know Mm -hmm. more freedom here in this current pandemic than a lot of other states especially right now so in the past um we we kind of saw a little bit of slow slower times kind of like similar to columbus um where you know back to school um you know just different little bit of different timing but people were always wanting to relocate here because of their jobs because they're downsizing they're you know kind of like you said, kids are going back to school. So they're looking, they're empty nesters. They're wanting to come down here. Um, Second homes. A lot of people want second homes. A lot of people Mm -hmm. want an investment property. So Florida is much more active of a state because of all of those things. And especially now where if you work remote, why wouldn't you want to live here where you are free to do a lot more and it's, you know, the beach, you're able to be outside. And a lot of people I know relocate from ohio michigan new york chicago because they're over the winter they're like sick of it they don't want (laughs) to do another winter up north at all and i don't blame them you know from having that experience i couldn't imagine starting my car 30 minutes early shoveling snow just to get out of the driveway you know like just those tiny little things that just gnat at you
1: yeah i i hear it all the time from people um that is 100 percent true that but um Personally, I kind of like the change of seasons, but yeah. you know, Hey, um. I,
0: I do, I do miss the change of seasons again, like I said, because mentally you, it, it relates instead of just like forcing mm-hmm. yourself to think, mm-hmm. okay, all of a sudden it's December, like December, it's 80 degrees and time just flies. But I agree. I just wish that um, it wasn't so cold when it gets, <laughs> you know, up North and the uh, snow wasn't so much but yeah, it's a personal preference.
1: Yeah. So, um, like at this point in time, at this time of year, like typically what I'm doing is advising people on, um, on getting prepared for the new year, because like I mentioned a couple minutes ago, how the market just tends to, to, you know, with people just read, it's almost like people forgot during the holiday season that they wanted to buy or sell a home. And then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden they remember that week and all of a sudden they're back in the market and they're back at it. So, um, for me, even though I, 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 like you mentioned before, um, there's less, there's less buyers, it might be a great time to take action, you know, find a deal here in the last two, three weeks of the year, and get into contract and avoid some of that competition that you're going to see in 30 days from now. Mm -hmm. That is probably a great piece of advice if you are ready to make a move, But The reality is some preparation, if it's buying, you're going to need to be in the market looking at what's available, looking at the numbers, evaluating what you can afford in what areas. It's, it's a, it's a long decision-making process. If you're a seller, you probably have some deferred maintenance, you probably have some home prep to do. So I always recommend now is the time, because we know the reality is most people aren't going to take action immediately. Now is the time to start taking the little steps to be ready to take action in the next one, two, three, four months from now to really take advantage of the market.
0: Right. Um, So how are you, how do you prep those clients that um, maybe haven't reached out yet or how, when they do reach out, how are you communicating that um, to them?
1: uh, I mean, honestly, I don't know if there's a, uh, there's not a one size fits all answer to Mm. that, but I would just say my biggest piece of advice is start sooner because it takes longer. I can mm-hmm. tell you this. I've seen right. it many years over and over. People tell me they want to get in the market in the spring, and, but they just start having the conversation in the spring. And right. then we talk and I give them advice and we talk and we go back and forth. And here, you know, it; it's middle of summer, late summer, and they're finally ready to get the house on the market then you kind of missed the your your time frame. So
0: yeah
1: I the bottom line is it does it doesn't ha- some for some people it does, but for most people it doesn't happen in a week or right. you know uh, you know a couple of days. You've got to strategize. So right now that is the conversation. In fact I was talking to people this week, probably three or four people this week, just t- about what do we have to do to get you in a position to be ready for the beginning of the year or even for the spring
0: right yeah that's really good and you're it's especially taking longer in this market where there's Mm -hmm. a fight where there's multiple offers so if you say your lease is up in june well let's get the conversation started now of is your credit ready like is there a certain down payment size you need like have you talked to a lender even just Mm -hmm. seeing Preparing financially, do you have everything together for pre-approval to be ready to go, so that we can start looking? Because maybe you're not financially ready yet. So, what do you need to do to get yourself to that point to where you're ready to go confidently and can offer what you want to confidently um, before that time comes as well?
1: Right. So, you work with a lot of buyers. What is your advice to the buyers who? want to buy this spring. And also you mentioned how long, how it takes longer. That is a hundred percent true. It does take longer in this market to buy a house. What are you seeing?
0: Um, So I, I like, I have buyer consultations, buyer meetings with my clients for the very first time. Um, I usually take them to coffee, something very light and friendly. And, um, I overwhelm them with information. Usually I try not to, but, um, it's heavy conversation when you have no idea what to do. You've never done it before, but I, it's very important to me to set the expectations of the market and to explain. And I, I know we'll talk about this again, what offers are winning, what offers are getting accepted, what you might have to do. And that comes with in this market and this time probably having more cash, than you used to, so I kind of just set that expectation of this is what the market is doing. You know, obviously we're getting your needs and your wants and all that stuff. But have you met with a preferred lender? Have you got your finances together? Do you know what you're putting down? Are you able to come out of pocket with paying for wiring the escrow? Are you able to? Um, are you able to? Um, pay for the inspection or, you know, all of those Mm -hmm. little things so that they're ready to go. And if they didn't even think about having to pay for an inspection, didn't even think about having to wire the funds right away um, for Mm -hmm. escrow, didn't think about the appraisal gaps or like maybe coming out of pocket for that just to get accepted. So there might be some things in that conversation that you realize, "Mm, I might need more time. So Let's, let's talk about that. Let's take that time. And something that I try to do on my social media is, um, educate or even just encourage, um, people out there that if you even think about wanting to buy in 2022, get started. Like you said, like get with a lender, figure it out what you might still need to do so that we're not waiting. Like you said again, before, when you're ready to go, that we're not wasting any time. Right. Yeah.
1: I mean, You hear this, this is a real estate cliche, but it's true. This is the biggest purchase that almost anybody, most people, this is the biggest purchase you're going to make in your life. And there's a reason that there's an entire industry based around it. And that reason Mm -hmm. is because it's pretty complex transaction. And to think that you could just hop in the market and buy a house, you know, without doing any preparation, without understanding the market and understanding what it takes uh, you know, we all know it just not doesn't happen that easily. Um, now, right. I mean, I have worked with some buyers in this market where they see one or two houses, and they're you know they're the type of personality that they can make a decision, right. And boom, that's it, and it happens. But even after that, there's still a whole process behind it. Yeah. Uh, and I would say that's more common if you've bought a house a couple times before, mm-hmm. bought and sold. Then maybe it's. But honestly, what I'm seeing is you have to look at more houses in this market. You have to make offers on more houses in this market. And I mean, I'm usually pretty pretty straightforward with when I'm talking to clients about buying in this market and that the reality is you you're probably gonna offer on a couple of houses and get beat out before you really find your sweet spot find the right house, know what you can get and know how to craft your offer. Cause I can tell you how you should craft the offer, but a lot of times it's more important for the buyer to figure that out after trying it a couple of times.
0: Right. 100%. They, and you can tell when they're willing to put all their eggs in the basket, you know, when Mm -hmm. you, cause I, Again, if you want a house, you have to know how to win that house. So that's our our responsibility to show this is what's being accepted. Whether or not it's fair, I don't want you to pay any a dime more than you should. However, we're in this market. It's a seller's market. You kind of have to do what you don't want to do, like pay a little more, pay out of cash. But if it's a house you love and you plan on being there for five to 10 years, it's worth it. You know, sure. if I, I get asked all the time, like, I don't really know what, I don't want to pay more than it's worth. I'm like, is it worth for you and your family to create memories in this home for five to 10 years? Do mm-hmm. you think that that is worth putting a little bit more eggs in this basket so that you can ha- call this home?
1: Right. And the buyer is the one that decides the value. So right. if you decide that it's worth it and it helps a lot. Um, if, you, you know, if this is a quick turnaround, then you're going to have to reconsider the way that you craft your offer. If you're going to be selling this property in a year, then, you know, then the things that you make offers on and the way that you make your offer should be much different than if you're going to, if this is your, you know, your second house and you're raising your kids and you're not going to sell this house until the kids graduate high school or, something. you know, whatever right. the situation might be, those are two totally different ways to look at it right um but it's also interesting what I've noticed is you know everything everything in real estate people are saying I wish I would have bought sooner you know Mm -hmm. when I when I bought my first house back in um, I think it was 2012 uh I remember looking at this area of Columbus called Italian Village which right now is a super hot market Mm. but we didn't we only liked uh we didn't we liked the neighborhood, but only certain parts of the neighborhood. And we're very strict. Like I only want to go, you're not familiar with Columbus, but for those who are, I only want to go one block off high street. And I want to stay in this area in this price range. And, and we ended up buying in a different neighborhood still did really well on the property. But had we just, you know, went uh, two blocks off high street, we would have got such a great deal and it would have probably doubled or tripled in value. Oh, and yeah. I mean, I, the, the example is simple that like, you're worried about two, three, $5,000 right now, but it probably in five years, you know, wouldn't have mattered that much. So, right,
0: right. you know, that's yeah.
1: not for every situation, but a right. lot of times that's the case in real estate. It is. All right. So um, well, let's, let's talk a little bit about the, the the list that you and I were emailing back and forth earlier, the Uh article that came out realtor.com article top 10 hottest markets in the U S. Okay. So just to give a little background, that article, uh, your market Tampa was number 10 and my market Columbus was number five. So for both the projected rate of price appreciation and the projected rate of home sales growth. So it's not comparing the Market with the highest prices. It's not comparing the markets that have the highest sales volume across. It's comparing the ones that are growing the most or projected to grow the most over the next year. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess. Keep that in mind. I I guess the reason I I projected that way is it doesn't mean that New York City is now not as uh, expensive as Columbus, Ohio, or that there's going to be more homes that sell in Columbus, Ohio than, you know, San Francisco. It doesn't mean that at all. It just means the rate of growth is projected to be higher in our markets. Mm -hmm. So you read the article. Tell me what your thoughts are.
0: Well, it's I, I. I think what's crazy to me is that we're number 10 and I definitely thought we'd be, um, higher on the list. Uh, just higher because, than 10. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I thought, you know, top five, at mm-hmm. least, you know what I mean? Just because of seeing the intensity and how expensive and how much equity home, like some of my friends who have purchased homes and, and neighborhoods and, you know, it's doubled, you know, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. in certain areas and it's, it's just so, it's so fast before our eyes getting more expensive, um, spreading out in areas. Um, St. Pete used to, I mean, gosh, when I first moved here, St. Pete was nothing to where it is now. I mean, there, it was cool. I had a few bars like on a block, you know, and had a, Cool on the water city, you know it was cool. Mm-hmm. But now, I mean, there's millions of dollars invested in downtown alone, which is only bringing more people down here. Which is only bringing, you know, remote workers and co-working space. There's just there's got to be like six co-work spaces um, available to rent out downtown St. Pete. Um, you know, there's a lot of big offices, and it's just it's it's getting it's growing so quickly that the demand is more here. And it's, it's just insane. And the same with Tampa, downtown Tampa, the same exact thing. I mean, it used to be a puny little downtown. It was embarrassing that that was our downtown (laughs) and um, it's, it's grown significantly. I mean, I was, I was thinking about it the other day, I was driving past downtown Tampa and I remember only a few little tall buildings and now it's just spreading and spreading and spreading. So the, the neighborhoods, you know, like you said, are Are getting better and and flipping and turning because people can only afford in those areas and now that's getting more and more busy
1: right i mean and obviously tom brady going to tampa probably was a big part of that Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) um Um, yes i think so (laughs) so uh okay but one thing that you did mention uh, was the affordability factor which i think is a huge um reason why some of these markets have made that list. Mm -hmm. Columbus being a very affordable Midwest city. Indianapolis was also on the list, another affordable Midwest city. Tampa, as you said, the prices are appreciating rapidly, but maybe, you know, previous to this was seen as an affordable area. So I think that's something that's drawing people away from some of these markets, some of these big markets Mm -hmm. that, uh, especially with the uh, the ability to work from home for many people across the country, you know, that was a huge development of 2020. And I'm, from what I read and heard, we're going to see that work from home thing expand over the next 10 years. Um, I saw a statistic that said as much as 22% of the working population of the U.S. over the next 10 years will have the ability to work from home and move wherever they want across the country. And that's having a huge impact on some of these smaller, more affordable, but more desirable areas to live. So um, I I think that's great for, for like looking at central Ohio, looking at Columbus, it, you know, it, it means that we have job growth. It means that we have a high level of demand, but part of the reason we have that demand is because it's easier to buy a house here than it is, in San Francisco or a lot of places across the East coast, you know, are very expensive. Um, But uh, so, I mean, the way I look at it is from a buyer's perspective. Yeah, it it is a competitive market, but it's probably still way better than buying a home in many other parts across the country because it's still more affordable and it's a great place to live. You know, Columbus is, it's, it's a bigger city, but it's got a smaller city feel to it. And it's also right. very, um, you know, clean, easy to get around. So there's a lot of desirability for people to be here. And so even though it might be, it might, for those who have been in Columbus a long time, it might seem like crazy competitive to buy a house. But reality is if you look at other markets across the country, it's still yeah. a better place.
0: 100%. Yeah, it is. I had a friend who was telling me um, in DC area the things that they're doing to try to get an offer. I mean, it's it's outrageous, outrageous just to get a home. And mm-hmm. you know, here it's not that bad, right? And I'm sure in Columbus it's not that bad. And, and to your point a, a few minutes ago about, you know, San Francisco and all, you know, all the places that are much more expensive, they are you know, buyers are coming from those areas because of it being a lot cheaper. But what's happening is it's it's pushing away the people that have lived here all their lives, they can't afford it anymore.
1: Right.
0: And that's that's really sad is that St. Pete locals, Tampa locals, they're they're having to be pushed out because they can't even afford to buy in the place that they grew up and that they would love to live for the rest, you know, of their lives. Yeah.
1: Well, hopefully, you know, for the, for the, those who have lived there, hopefully they already own real estate and they're getting some appreciation on that real estate. Yeah. Um, so we kind of mentioned how this impacts the buyers looking, how do you think Mm -hmm. it impacts sellers from the standpoint of market being a really hot market?
0: So a lot of, um, the sellers that I've worked with and, um, Also future sellers or families that want to sell, but Mm -hmm. they're afraid to sell because they don't know where they're going to go. They're not going to, they're not going to find what they currently have, which is why they're holding on to it. And I think that's why we're in the market we're in is because sellers know If I'm in a house, yeah, I could, if I didn't care about where I lived and I wanted to cash out, I'd cash out. And that's why, you know, a lot of people are, they're downsizing or they're relocating and they're taking Mm -hmm. advantage of the market. A lot of sellers have to sell and then rent so that they have a roof over their head because they know, like you said earlier, it's taking a lot longer to buy. So if you put your house on the market, most people want to close in 30 to 40 days. You can't find a house to buy for in 30 to 40 days. So, you you know, you have to make sure, again, that you prepare, do I need to find a place to live? Do I need a lease back where I close and then I rent from the new owner um, until I find something?
1: Yeah, which we're seeing, that's pretty common, you know, a seller request. And it's, this that's a longer conversation, but it's hard to do uh, from a buyer standpoint. But we are Mm -hmm. seeing that a lot because the seller needs, you know, needs that flexibility and they have the ability to negotiate that.
0: Right. You do. As a seller, you have all the cards in your hands. I mean, you can truly take advantage of the market in your behalf. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's really good to educate um, people and the sellers about that as well, because I know sellers are probably interviewing many other agents and, you know, there's agents that don't know all that experience. And I mean, there was a friend of mine who's a real estate agent who just said about her seller or somebody talking to her that um, the closing was the next day and she had nowhere to go. I'm like, she had nowhere to go in her closing's tomorrow? Like, crazy. why wouldn't she have planned oh my God. all of I, this before <laughs> she put her house on the market?
1: That to me is crazy. Um, and in, in this market, we are seeing a lot that um, buyers or sellers, they may not see the value in an experienced agent because, oh, particularly sellers, because they say, hey, you know, the, everybody's buying, you know, I just have to put my house on the market and it'll sell. Mm-hmm. Well, that may be true, but there is a lot more to it than just than just that little portion of it. So for seeing that statistic really made me think, man, I hope, you know, at least the people I know that are out there think think about it and, and you know, hire somebody like me or like you that, uh, have experience to navigate through some of these situations because the truth is you could put your house in the market, do nothing, get an offer, and all kinds of problems could arise. And the way that, you, that you're advised to prepare your home could vastly change the amount of money you get for the property. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What about you and, and in terms of sellers and that conversation that you're having?
1: Um so how, the I so the question is how does the, being in the top 5 hottest markets across the country affect you as a seller? Mm -hmm. I mean, one, it's great, right? Mm -hmm. It means you have equity in your property, or you probably have equity in your property, depending on when you bought it. And it should mean that we should be able to obtain you a high dollar amount if you choose to sell your property. Again, we've got to navigate that situation correctly, because I see properties in this market doing price reductions. I see properties getting overlooked by many buyers, um, and, you know, every house, every neighborhood, every condo building, everything has their own situation, their own uniqueness that we have to analyze that and go to market. It also means it's, it's going to be a complicated process and you want to be working with somebody who can help guide you through that process. Um, and like you said, it, it, the equity in your house only really matters if if you're going to sell it. I mean if the, if the value of your house goes up a hundred thousand dollars, but it's, it's you're already, you're in your dream home. What's the difference, right? I mean, I guess you could refinance it and take some money out, but then you've got a higher payment. Uh, But uh, I guess there's a hundred different scenarios for what to do in that situation. Um, But if you are thinking about making a move, if you need to, or want to, to get to a better place, uh, I would say look at the first six months of 2022 because the projections are that th- that the market is going to be strong all yeah. across the board, at least for that long. As they bring up interest rates, you know we're going to mm-hmm. see a little bit of change in demand. I mean, what I'm seeing is that there's not going to be any major increases, which means there's not going to be a major change in demand. But um, there is a difference between a payment at 3% and three and three quarters or 4%, you know, and right. depending on your price range, it could be a couple hundred dollars or more. Yeah. So that does impact the affordability and the demand from a buyer standpoint, which right. impacts you as a seller.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, as a seller, if you, if you can downsize, if, you, if there's any kind of thought about taking advantage of the market while you can do it. And if there's investors out there who would buy your home and then you could just rent it out if you're mm-hmm. worried about where you're going to go. I mean, like we had that conversation before. I mean, it's it's an incredible time to sell and take advantage of the market, but it is, it is a, a plan and a preparation of where are we going to go? How are we going to navigate it? But it's great. It's awesome to be part of the top 10 and to be in cities that have the growth and the desire and the demand, um, especially for us. So I've got a
1: story for you uh, going back a little ways to kind of um, provide an example of what we were just talking about. Okay, so um, going back into last year, I was representing a buyer, but this is more of a story about uh, seller representation. Uh, for uh purchasing a multifamily property. And um, my I was our, our buyer is paying cash. Uh, they were using a short-term loan, but they, essentially they were paying cash. And uh there was competing against a couple other offers. The the next highest offer was a conventional loan out of California, mm-hmm. and they were higher than our offer by, I to be honest, I don't remember at this point, but it was it was probably like A net difference of like, I think a few thousand dollars, not a, not a significant amount, like somewhere in that three to $6,000 range. When you, when you looked at all the things combined, um, they were a little bit more, but they were, they were financing it on a loan and the buyer was out of state. So the listing agent originally told me they were going to take the other buyer's offer uh, because they were netting a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I, so something about this property was there is a roof leak and mm-hmm. it was an active roof that, that most likely the buyer's appraiser is going to notice an active roof leak and they're going to flag that on the inspection. And you're either going to have to replace a roof or you're going to have to um, make a, make a repair and delay your closing. And I also, you know, know, seeing some out of state buyers uh, in the last, you know, especially investors in the last couple of years, knowing that those buyers are less committed and don't always, you know, end up closing. uh, I kind of advised her a little bit on that and she ended up taking our offer for a lower amount because the reality was they realized the property wouldn't might not have appraised or it it might've gotten flagged on an appraisal and they would have had to come back and make thousands of dollars in roof repairs and Mm -hmm. extend the closing. And the buyer would have had the right to walk from that anyways, if they just deal with it. So Mm -hmm. um, the point, I guess the point I'm making is that if, if she had known that she would have taken ours right away before I had to explain things and she was, you know, really nice person but uh, information exchanged that she was a relative of the person selling the property and didn't ha- didn't sell a lot of houses mm, and so yeah. you know not that their relationship doesn't matter but the experience matters in the right the fact that um they would have gone gone through that process our buyer may have gone and found a different property and not been on the market, you know, in three Mm -hmm. or four weeks when they found out about that roof problem.
0: Yeah, it is. It is. Again, it just goes back to experience with an agent. And how do you, as, as, as people out there looking to buy or sell, how, how can they be educated on all of this Mm -hmm. stuff? You know, that's why I, I think it's technology and social media and, you know, however other source we can get out there to educate people mm-hmm. um, on taking advantage as a seller and, and educating a buyer.
1: All right, let's move on to the tip of the week. What What do you got for me this week?
0: Oh my gosh, the tip of the week. So
1: make it interesting.
0: Uh, <laughs> all right. My tip of the week is if you are a cash buyer, don't think that just because you have cash, You can lowball an offer because many, many people have cash these days. They're taking advantage of their home sales. They are, you know, it's not uncommon to have cash anymore. So you might think that you have a cash, you're a cash buyer, you can offer X amount, but there's guarantee you in the multiple offers, there's gonna be another cash buyer. And they're probably gonna offer at least list. Like I tell everybody, don't even bother offering less if it's competitive but just at the market there's multiple offers don't go anything under list if you're cash yeah um and i i've i've had a couple times where cash buyers think that they can lowball and it's just not the market for it it's not the market and it's it's a tough conversation to have like I, i know it's your money it's a lot of money if you're cash but if you want a house like nobody's going to take you seriously if you lowball. And that's, that's if you're cash or not, if you're financing or if you're cash, don't lowball, because if you really want a property, they're not going to take you seriously. So um, that would be my, my real tip of the week.
1: I a hundred percent. And I agree with that. I had a a listing end of last year um, in, I think it was Marion village, really cool little house, but um, we had multiple offers and the highest offer was a financed offer that was twenty thousand dollars higher than the cash offer we got we yes. talked to the cash buyer they wouldn't come up at all and it why would you, you know as a seller especially when the the buyer's offering uh they were offering some compensation towards uh, a, a short appraisal and so we said, okay, with that in conjunction with the, the gap, the difference, let's, let's roll the dice. Let's see what the appraisal comes back at and then negotiate it from there. And we did. And we ended up being very close to the contract price. So the, the seller ended up netting, I think, seventeen dollars or $18,000 higher than what they would have netted with the cash offer. Nice. And that was after nice. uh, you know, repair negotiations and after appraisal. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, if you look at the situation that way, then it that's exactly what the point you're trying to make. And that right. is cash is great. In fact, I saw a statistic that said 25% of the transactions in central Ohio recently are cash transactions. That number shocked me. I did not think that there was that much, uh, that many cash transactions occurring. Um, obviously, there's probably a lot of ways that we could um to look at that data and see like where it's really coming from. But, but the reality is there is a lot of cash available in the marketplace and people are, you know, realizing that they could pay for a home in cash, refinance it after the fact and still get the benefit of buying with cash, but Mm -hmm. then still get the benefit of borrowing money. Um, So just because you have cash doesn't mean that you're the only option. Right. Right. If it's going to net the seller a significant amount more to take a finance to offer, then they should take the finance to offer
0: 100 percent.
1: I mean, look at the risk reward factors. If it's only like the situation I just talked about a few minutes ago, if it's only a couple thousand dollars difference or if there's a major inspection problem or a a significant reason why uh, taking the cash cash offer is more beneficial. But right. like it, you know, if you're offering cash, but you're still doing a full inspection with repair negotiations, then the only thing you're mitigating out is the appraisal. Um, well, not the the time frame and the financing contingency, yes, but the major part is the appraisal. Um,
0: yeah. yeah, So
1: you know, unless you're cash with no contingencies, then you know you're going to be competing with some strong financed offers, most likely.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Again, it goes back to that first meeting of setting up an expectation. And if you could, I try very hard to set up that expectation from the beginning. So we're not wasting our time down the road, but you know, sometimes you still lose some. I mean, I, I think I have some more work to do with the current client. He's great, but I think I have to get him on board to the market. And if they're looking for a home, you gotta do what the market wants.
1: Yeah, and, and people realize it um, once they go through and experience the situation, and then it just boils down to what are your needs? Are we hitting the needs of what mm-hmm. you're looking for? And uh, if we're not, like maybe either what you want or what your expectations are need to shift a little bit so that you can achieve your goal of home ownership or whatever the the goal is. If it's an investment property or what have you.
0: Right,
1: right. Absolutely. So what's your uh, tip of the week? Mm, Okay. Um, My tip of the week, I I hadn't thought about this, but um, being where we are in the calendar year, my tip of the week goes back to what we talked about earlier. And that is preparing your home for sale earlier. If you're going to go on the market in the spring, it's going to take you probably a couple months to get the house ready. So call me, call you, mm-hmm. um, talk to talk about the condition of your property. Let's go through, let's look at the deferred maintenance. Let's look at kind of staging, paint, all these little things um, that we can do to just help you get ready so that when you find the right property, when your situation arises, that you're ready to go right away because we both know it takes mm-hmm. a lot more time than you expect it to, to get the house ready and to go on the market.
0: Yeah, yeah, even just say you've been there for 20 years and you're downsizing the the decluttering, the purging, <laughs> you want your home to be as minimal as possible because you want the future buyers to be able to see themselves in that home. They can't see it if your if your family Pictures are everywhere, you know, and they're lovely, mm-hmm. but you want the buyer to envision themselves in that home. So even just decluttering, even yeah. just starting to pack, if you want to rent a storage unit, get all the extra stuff you don't need to live there, put it in the storage unit. You know, like like you said, all those little things, painting, uh, um, curb, curb appeal, right? Making sure oh, the yeah. outside of the home looks good because that's what draws people to your home. So you're absolutely right. It takes more than a week to get your home ready. So having the conversations with us, what are the buyers looking for? What do I have to do to be in the market in 90 days?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, we're longer. I've gotten, I've had a couple clients. I've got like one or two in mind where I've literally walked in the house and been like, Whoa, like you did did some work because this looks amazing, but I would say 95% of the time we've, I've got suggestions. I've got things. And the, the little things help. If you look at the statistics, there's a reason that a a vacant home that has been staged and staged with nice, trendy decor and things sells faster and sells for more money statistically across the board. That is true. And there's a reason for that. And that is just because like you said, people visualize themselves living in the home. Now, the reality is the way they live in the home is not how we're going to show the home, right? But it helps with that. That factor of this visualization. This is a conversation I was having with somebody a couple weeks ago about staging, and it does help. It is a huge um, impact in psychologically helping the buyer make that decision. Right? Yeah. Getting yeah. from this is. A vacant space sometimes can show great, but a lot mm-hmm. of times it takes, uh, some furniture and some decor to help them really set the scene in their mind. And it's an emotional decision in that point, the emotions take over and help them pull the trigger on making that offer. Right. Or, right. or I, not just making that offer, but offering, um, you know, a higher amount.
0: Right. Right. Cause they see themselves in it. They don't want to not have it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Oh, yeah
1: that's the that is the difference between the market uh, it, you know the offers that get a few offers and the ones that get like twenty offers oh yeah, not always, but that's usually a significant reason why is houses is in great condition, they don't have to do any work to it, they can visualize themselves moving right in and right. it sells
0: yeah, especially if you have like open floor plans so much so that you can't really defer where you're dining table will be and where your living space will be. So it can get, it can lock your vision. So if you have a big open concept where you can put the living room in one space and the dining space in another, if all that stuff is already there, the thinking is out of the buyer's mind of where things are going to go, right? Like, yeah, oh, living room, TV, dining room, instead of, well, would it go here or would it could, is it big enough? Do you think it'll fit? Like, you mm-hmm. know, there's too much questions instead of just easy like oh this is great
1: yeah absolutely um all right cool so that is our two tips of the week what else you got you think we're about ready to wrap this up
0: (laughs) i think i think we covered a lot today i think it i think it was um very educational hopefully we didn't overwhelm or scare anybody but uh, hopefully we got um, some nuggets that will help some people to, to prepare for selling or buying in 2022. And hopefully they feel confident enough that we will be able to help navigate that for them and and get them to sell the right way and to buy the right way. Right, right. Well, if there's a right way, but just a, a more successful <laughs> To accomplish way, right? their goals. To, to accomplish, accomplish their goal. Their goal. Yeah, exactly. All right. So
1: yeah. before we go, I've got one more thing.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Since... Hopefully this comes out before um, the holidays. I just want to say say happy holidays to all of our friends and our family out there. Hopefully you've enjoyed the first episode or two and some some clips. Um, Just wishing you a happy holidays, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year's.
0: Yes. Happy holidays, everybody. Can't wait to see what 2022 brings.
1: All right. Talk to you later. See you. Take care.